kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no cotton down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Chits. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about secret powers, customs and immigration, peanuts, lost pilots, Italians, and butts. (laughs) And in this episode, There's what I think is a great story from a wonderful flight attendant that I have been wanting to meet for a very, very long time. So it was kind of a special story for me. So let's get on with the show. I'm trying to think, I can't remember her name now because I'm tired. You don't need a name, it's okay. Anyway, so she's picking up trays from economy and instead of just taking two or three, she had them like... Up to like here, okay. So she's walking, eight. like like eight, you know, walking walking back to the galley, and some guy goes, Miss, Miss. She looks at me, goes, Can you take my tray? And she looks at him. She goes, Would you like me to shove a broom up my ass and sweep the aisle as I walk? <laughs> so any, okay. So there, a flight attendant friend of mine who was working in the train. I guess she'd been a supervisor, and she said the hardest thing she ever had to do there was a. Chinese flight attendant, and she was well known in the base. Like she would sit in the back jump seat and just let these horrendous farts go. Oh my gosh! I mean, not, so not, she not, had a lot of gas. Yes, not only being noisy, but yeah. very smelly because she was vegetarian. So this you don't know, picture an Asian person doing yeah. this. For some so this this well, this flight attendant who's telling the story said she got stuck with having to counsel her. They brought her in, and they oh, said, "How do you counsel Yes, they said. On they that? said, "Well, you know, they said we, we understand that you know, you're vegetarian, and and you know, <laughs> di- different foods and fruits affect people in different ways. But um, it's been brought to our attention right. that that you're sitting on the jump seat and just sort of letting them rip, and you know, <laughs> and it's, it's very offensive to people. Yes. And what she said was, "Why, you know, fop? <laughs> you're going to do this again. again. <laughs> Which part?" Why? Why? You know far? (laughs) (laughs) So I had a layover in Munich, and uh, it was pouring down rain, and I still wanted to get out. So it wasn't really that pleasant walking around, so I sort of dashed into this cute little cafe. It was called uh, Cafe Rosie. It's new, and it had a real nice vibe to it. And it it was like a coffee shop, juice restaurant, you know, combination of things. I sat down, I wanted to do some writing, and I uh, I ordered a fresh squeezed carrot, ginger, apple, orange smoothie thing. It was delicious. And I wanted a little something to eat. And uh, the waitress, she's real pretty, and she uh, was nice enough to get me an English menu. And um, I ordered these Bavarian sausages and uh, 
To my surprise, she came out with this large tureen, like a giant bowl with a plate on top and then a ramekin of uh, mustard. And all I could say was like, uh, stupidly, wow, <laughs> I was expecting like two wieners, you know, like <laughs> not a big thing. And then she opened the pot to reveal these uh, two white and green sausages swimming and like four inches of hot water. And uh, I was thinking, okay. <laughs> and then she said, uh, it, she, in, in, some, some, in a form of English, she said, do you, do you know how to eat it? And I was about to say, yes, because there was a fork and knife on my table, you know, I, I didn't. So, but I thought since she's asking, I was like, she's like, do you know how to eat it? And I was like, no. <laughs> She explained that you need to peel the skin off and just eat the inside. And I was so glad that she warned me because I most certainly would have eaten the whole thing. And, uh, you know, thank heavens for kind waitresses who are nice and they can spot dumb tourists. But then later on, uh, the next day, we're in the crew van and I was saying how we, we drove by it. And I'm like, oh, this place over here, I really liked it. It was good. It had a nice vibe. And uh, these other two uh, ladies I was traveling with um, or on the crew, they were like, we went there. We went there right when we get in. We didn't even take a nap. And we basically had breakfast there. And uh, and I, I tell them about these sausages that I had. And they're like, we ordered the same thing. And we then it was in that big bowl. And I'm like, yeah. And they go, um, we thought it was really chewy. <laughs> they didn't know. They didn't have a nice waitress. <laughs> so... <laughs> they ate the whole thing and they said they were just chewing and chewing and chewing. <laughs> and a little later on that day, it stopped raining and there were these street performers out. So the music for this episode is uh, some Munich street performers. Right the. Okay, so you went to Nepal. I would love to go. I've stepped my foot in the in Nepal, like um, hiking in the uh, Indian Himalayas. Like I've stepped yeah, over the. Yeah. Doesn't really count because I really do. It's high on my list. I'd like to go it's, to Nepal. It's so awesome. So you went for five months. So I did, and I worked for Save the Children, and and I lived in Kathmandu. But every other week we would take on, on another adventure and go That's to different exciting. villages. It was very cool. So. Um, so at the Save the Children, I was always told by the other gals that worked there, if I ever go down to the river, and it's part of the Ganges River, I can't remember the name of it when it goes into Nepal, but in India it's the Ganges, but in Nepal it starts out as something else. So they would always tell me, don't ever go down to the Ganges area and 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 have somebody offer to show you their special powers. Like always special powers. Yeah, and uh, if you go down there, because it's kind of a sacred area where yes, they bury, yes, yeah. Yeah. you know, they put the dead people on the funeral pyres and um, and where they do their ablutions and all this stuff. So uh, lots going on down there. So they said, if you ever go down there, please do not tell somebody that you want to see their special powers because they'll, they'll be asking you. So I had three girlfriends come visit me in Nepal, and they no sooner got off the airplane. They'd been on an airplane for uh, 24 hours. They got off the airplane, and I was like, you guys, we can't put your suitcases down. We have to go straight down to the Ganges, and we're going to go straight into this area, and we're going to find out what these special powers were. Because they would never so tell curious. me. I was so yeah. curious. They would never tell me. So, so here they... You're going to go do what they told you not to do. Of course. <laughs>
So, so we go to this area where, you know, all the funeral pyres are going on and there's goats running around and monkeys and, and then there's sadhus and the sadhus are um, holy men and they never cut their hair and then they put these like, uh, they, they put these uh, tree nuts in their hair it, and so their hair is like all the way down to the ground and then they have these funny tree nuts in them. But immediately we got into this area and this sadhu came up to us and he said, would you like to see my special powers? And we're like, yeah. So he said, okay. You know, it could go bad. It could be it, so many things, special yeah. powers. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so he was gonna charge us five rupees. And so we're like, yeah, we can come up with five rupees, which at the time, I don't know, probably three cents. Yes. So, uh, so he takes us way back behind this temple and um, he said, I'm going to pick up a stone, a 50 pound stone with my penis. I was wondering if it was gonna be something. Uh, <laughs> so pick it, up. pick it up with his penis. So we're like, okay, that's, that's you know, we can spend five yeah. rupees on that. So, and there's four of us. So he, all he had on was a loincloth. Without his hands, he's gonna do this. Right, he's gonna do it with his penis only. My goodness. I know, he's very talented. So. He takes off his loincloth and unwraps like a garden hose. I mean, literally, yeah, they, his it's penis is like broken. Like they yeah. made it longer, like with weights or something? Yeah, he said he'd been working it since he was five years old. Oh my gosh. I know. So that he could make money, it gave him a way to make money. How long was so, it? it was, how long was it? <laughs> I, I, I would guess it was three feet, but oh I don't know. God. It was long. It just literally looked like he unwrapped a garden hose. So he takes off his loincloth, and the thing just totally flops to the ground. And of course, we're all gasping, going, oh my God, and my friends are completely exhausted and think they're hallucinating. So he takes his loincloth, and he t picks up a stick, and he wraps his loincloth on either end of the stick. And then he finds this real heavy stone, and it's hard to describe how he did this. But, okay, so his loincloth is wrapped on either side, and then the the loincloth hangs down like a hammock. And he put the stone, or he put the loincloth underneath the stone and he, and he bent down and he started wrapping up his penis around the, around the stick, around the stick, until he got all the way where he's standing up. And then he stood up while his penis more or less lifted yes. the stone. Anyway, so uh, he earned his five rupees. So he said, he said, you see no, uh, no sex, no, no whatever, and we're like, no kidding, it's broken. I yeah. was going to say, it's not functional. Non-functional. So, yeah. So, so we're all, he's, he's laughing and we're kind of in shock. So I had this brilliant idea with my girlfriends and I, I said, hey, should we show him our special powers? <laughs> and I'm like, let's, let's earn our five rupees back. So, uh, yeah, I hope you don't have, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that are I, like, oh, you've been working since you were five years old. <laughs> no, I don't. But better than that, I don't even know if you know this. My, one of my hands is prosthetic. Is, is, are you that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So, Actually, I would have never noticed in a million years. Look yeah. at that. Wow. So, so we asked the sadhu. Oh, we said, you do have special I do have special powers. So we said to him, I... I said, what, can we earn our five rupees back if, if I have also special powers to amaze you? And he, he said, yeah. So he went and got all of his Saudi friends and they all lined up on this wall. And my girlfriends and I, I told them, I said, you guys put your hands behind your back. So we all put our hands behind our back. And I said, now take your hands back out and put them up 
in front. And I, at that point, I had two hands in one hand. And, uh, and the sadhus, this was back in the, I don't know, back in the 90s. Uh, they'd never seen a prosthetic, I'm sure. But uh, all of a sudden, we were all laughing and having a great time. And all of a sudden, they got dead silent. And they were looking at me like I was some like kind. Like you did like a conjuring or like some. Yeah, like some either, or, yes. Yeah. So they all got off of the the wall and started coming towards us. And we all still, have, they, my girlfriend still had their suitcases. So I'm like, you guys grab your suitcases. Don't. We got to run, we got to get out of here. <laughs> so we ran, got, got in a cab and off we went. Never did get my five rupees back. <laughs> This comes from a listener named Ben, and he works at a major airport, and he works in the customs and immigration. So it's actually interesting for me to hear the other side, because, you know, I'm always going through customs and immigration. And he said, uh, we have global entry-like machines for U.S. citizens and residents. And, you know, the global entry machine is a self-service kiosk. Uh, People are very hesitant with it because they don't really understand what they're doing. Uh, And then you can get an X on your global entry ticket uh, because you said yes to a question without really reading it or if you're bringing in something you shouldn't be, you know, you have too much alcohol or cigarettes, something like that. You know, I've got an X before and sometimes you get an X because there's like every so often you randomly get an X and then you have to go through uh, a little bit more scrutiny. And he said, okay, so one of our co-workers was separating the people who had an X on their receipt. So here's their conversation while she was separating them. And the agent said, um, do you have an X, sir? And the passenger said, yes. And the agent said, can I see it? And the passenger said, no, she's at home. And the agent said, uh, no, sir. I need to see it. You know, the agent wants the, the ticket with the ex and the passenger's talking about his ex, you know, relationship. <laughs> so the agent's like, I need to see it. And the passenger's like, what? And the agent's like, let me see your ticket. And then he sees the ticket and he says, you don't have an ex. <laughs> and the passenger never really understood what he was saying. And that same agent uh, on another person said, um, the passenger was like, why do I have to go this way, you know, to the extra interrogation? And the agent said, because you have an ex, sir. And then the passenger's girlfriend said, I told you that bitch would haunt you. Okay, so something happened. Okay, my good friend was coming to New Orleans and I was on a long trip. So I said, you can use my car because she used to live where we live. So she borrowed my car, and I went on happily and just stayed on my trip. She sends me a text, and and she brings it back to the airport. She's visited her friends where I live, and she's brought it back. And she brings it to the airport, and she leaves me a text. Um, um, I thought it was kind of weird. She put, um, told me where it was in the parking lot, but she said, okay, Peanut. Now, does she call you Peanut? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She does. No. But she doesn't call you peanut. Now she does. <laughs> so I get in from um, an international. And right, so you're coming from work. Coming from work to get my car. Yeah. And um, I get on the, um, I find my car, and I look in it, and I went, what the hell? It was filled to, to the windows with peanuts. Wait, what, what kind of peanuts? 
Those packing peanuts. They're like styrofoam peanuts. Yes. And so I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do. Well, first of all, I've got an hour drive home. And I'm sitting here. Did you go in there with the peanuts? Did you like make your way into the car? Well, it was very hard. Like when I opened the door, they were flying all over. And then, and then, um, as I was driving home. Wait, so you were driving with a car full of styrofoam peanuts? Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I put my, I fit my suitcase into there, and they all came, you know. And I, you know, I'm like, I can't dump all these in the in the employee parking lot because. No, so I so I'm going home, and um, I'm thinking now how am I gonna get this shit out of my car? And um, so I decide, you know what, I'm gonna uh, roll down the windows. Well, now they're blowing all over the interstate, but they're all in my face. I can't see. I was so ready. Well, you're like littering peanuts. Littering peanuts, and then I get home. Are you still in your uniform? Still in my uniform, <laughs> and. I got first pulled over. Well, I pulled over to a um, like I was gonna go to a um, a wash, you know, where you wash cars. Yeah. And I was gonna use their, but I said, you know what? I'm just gonna gonna fill it up. Yeah. So I said, never mind. I'm not gonna do this. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna go on home. And look, I couldn't use the air condition because it was blowing. (laughs) They were all over my face. So wait, 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 wait. wait. If you put the air conditioning on, was it like um, like one of those? At one of those machines where they have the money going, you know, like everywhere, like we yes, to go exactly and grab the money, like. but there's peanuts. Yeah, and then I like was, a wind tunnel I was calling her and cursing her the whole way home. <laughs> but I get home and I show Jay and, and my husband. He says, you know, we live in a lot of property. So he says, Jay says, I said, how am I gonna get this shit out of here, Jay? And he, so he took the the leaf blower and um, he blew them all out. But wait, but I'm just me, on your property. Yeah, we just went to a remote area because we have so much property. But um, let me tell you, that's been over a year ago, and every once in a while, because of he, the way he blew it, they got up in the cavity of the car, so they start falling. And I keep thinking about her, More and I peanuts. keep cursing. Not really, though. She got me good. I'll say she got you good, Peanut. People seem to pick on me. <laughs> I guess so, Peanut. I was commuting to work and there was a man who was angry and indignant and I'm watching it from the back of the plane and I'm trying to guess what he's complaining about. But he was complaining to the flight attendants in the front that there was no flush button in the lavatory. So odd, some people's way of thinking. Like, of course there's a flush button. And he's like, no, there isn't. There is not a flush button. And they're like, no, yes, there is. It's right there. And he's like, there isn't one. I look, there's not a flush button, which would make a very um, impractical lavatory to not flush. It'd be like, you know, you have a bathroom in your house and it doesn't have a toilet in it. Uh, and what, what's so interesting about this is he was so sure, so adamant in his thinking. You know, it couldn't be that he couldn't find it. It's that it's not there. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, it's like going into somebody's house and arguing with them that there is no light switch in the bathroom. And they'd be like, yes, there is. And he's like, no, there's not. Yeah, 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 there is. You know, it's my house. (laughs) I know. And it's kind of like on the plane, you know, the airplane is our house. We know. And guess what? There's a flush button. 
the one of the pilots was on crew break, and the captain called back and and asked me to go wake him up. Right. So I go back to the to where his crew rest is, and I open the curtain, and there's nobody in there. So my assumption was that he was already up. Yeah. So I didn't really think too much about it because I thought, well, he's awake. I'm not going to worry yeah. about. So about. You did your job. I did my job. So about ten minutes later. The captain calls back and he said, so did you wake up Mike, say his name was. And I'm like, well, yeah, he was already up. So I assume he's in the bathroom and he'll be up in a minute. So again, I figured I did my job. Yeah. That was the end of the story. So about 10, 15 minutes later, uh, the chime again, I get called. And so and the captain again, he's like, so where is Mike? And I'm like, well, he never came up. And so I'm thinking, okay, so something happened to him in the bathroom. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I go check. The bathroom's in first class, No bath. nobody's in the bathrooms. So I checked the bathrooms in coach class, nobody's in the bathroom. So I went to the back cabin in the galley, and I'm like, have you guys seen the co-pilot? And they're like, no, disappeared. So the, and so no, nobody had seen him. So I called the captain, I'm like, did, he, did you ever hear from him? And he said, no. And I said, well, honestly, we can't find him. So he's like, well, he can't go have, have gone too far. So anyway. Um, no. So what had happened was, well, we were counting, literally counting passengers because we could not find him anywhere. So we were counting passengers. And so we found that there was one too many cat passengers in business class. But of course, they're all flat out asleep and covered in blankets. So we don't know who's who. And this was before we had a, you know, a good directory of who was. So we started lifting, lifting blankets. Looking for a pilot, and I didn't realize, but with his out his hat, you know, he's bald. <laughs> so yeah, they look different. They do look different. So, and with every one, we're, there was two of us now looking for them. We're trying to that identify. I know it's like blanket. we're trying to identify. Is this him? Could the, and of course he's sound asleep. Well, come to find out, we found this bald guy, and it's like, is this him? So I called the captain. It's like, is Mike bald? And he's like, yes. Yeah. It's like we think we found him, so we woke him up. Sure enough, and sure enough, so he, was in a he was in a passenger. He had moved seats because he was uncomfortable, and um, and he had told the purser at, that he was going to take a passenger seat. But the purser had since gone on break right. and forgot to tell any of us. So so for the longest time, we had this missing pilot. It was the case of the missing yeah, pilot. Yeah, but it was it was like it was not that long after that book came out where yeah, where the people are disappearing yes, off the yes, airplane. Yes, yes. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, so we're all thinking, well, maybe this is true. So I told you in the last episode that I'm writing fiction, and the first one, Tar, it's the Tar Collection, book one, is out. It's on Amazon, and uh, there's a weird phenomenon uh, I've noticed as I've been writing. You know, that writing fiction is fun because it, it's creative. And uh, especially for this first one, I had literally no idea what I was doing. I had never written dialogue. I didn't really, I've never taken a class. Uh, <laughs> I didn't write an outline. I had no idea where the story was going. <laughs> it's interesting how much better I've gotten with the second one. You know, you really do learn uh, with practice. And you know, you can do anything. Everything just takes time. And in this first one, one of the characters was supposed to be in two scenes. And then he became a main character. I just liked, I liked writing him. He was so much fun. And he basically, it seemed like he just 
wrote himself. <laughs> I just kind of let the, the story flow through me. Uh, so the first one's out. The second one is called The Tar Maker, and it should be out, I would say, uh, two podcasts from now. And I'm also uh, working on uh, the audiobook, which is also a new endeavor for me, a new project. So I'm hoping the audiobook, and if, if you prefer listening to a book, that'll probably be out by the next podcast. I'll let you know. So the first one, Tar, it's set in the Cook Islands, Vieques in Puerto Rico, and New York City. And then the second one, the Tar Maker, is set in Iceland. Okay, now here's the weird part that I wanted to talk about. People, I've been writing this fiction. It's been a good year now. And uh, I, I was just writing in notebooks in different places on layovers and when I was traveling. And uh, I think it's because we, in general, are consumers. You know, we play games, we read other people's work, uh, we watch other people's films or TV. So people can sense when you're doing something different. It's all I can really figure out because I'll be minding my own business, looking down, writing, and people will stop and stop me and ask me what I'm doing. Remember the uh, eccentric artist in London? I was sitting there having a glass of wine and writing, and she was like, are you writing a novel? And next thing you knew, we were talking for two hours. And then two different guys, as I was sitting on a plane on my commuter flight, just writing, uh, have said, are you writing a novel? Then on a beach in Grenada, uh, this local guy said to me, he stopped. I'm, I'm looking down. I was engrossed in what I was doing. And he's like, um, you must be very important. And I was like, huh? <laughs> he said, no one sits on the beach and just writes. No one. <laughs> then I was sitting in Paris, just having a glass of wine and uh, writing. And uh, a French couple sitting next to me, and the man didn't speak English, so he had his wife or girlfriend translate, and um, she said, what are you writing? And I said, fiction. And then the guy said to her, and she translated that, told me his name, and he said he wanted to be in my book. And uh, he said that he could feel the energy, and the energy was good. <laughs> it's just amazing how many people will comment if you're writing. Okay, just a little bit more about this and we get back to the show. I just want to say that I'm super nervous. Uh, you know, that whole thing, if you don't try anything, if you don't fail, you're not really living. Well, nobody likes to fail. <laughs> and especially with this first one, since I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, I, I created it out of whole cloth and it's not really my strong suit and I'm a beginner at it. So I'm hoping you'll like it and I'm hoping you'll review it. It's only 99 cents. I mean, really, what costs 99 cents? You know, people will say for less than a cup of coffee. Well, this is like a fourth of a cup of coffee. <laughs> and I've considered doing more advertising on the podcast or asking for donations or people do the Patreon where you give things away. But what I like about this is it's a creative endeavor and you get a product. And the books are going to be about traveling. So you'll get pictures and links to hotels and some restaurants. Uh, and like say the second one, there's a lot more links and everything. Uh, I learn as I go. And I'm hoping you, you might consider buying Tar, <laughs> my work of fiction. And I hope you'll be kind and not too judgmental. <laughs> All right, let's get back on with the show. 
door is about to close on a plane. Yeah. And this lady runs up to me and says, Stewardess, stewardess, <laughs> I left my teeth in the, oh. in the bathroom in the um, airport. And I said, well, let me go see if we can get them back. And so uh, I go to the um, door and I asked the agent, I said, do we have time? She said, no, we got to close the door. You got to go. So I had to tell this lady we were going without our teeth, but I would do my best to get, you know, figure out if we can get them for her. So, like the, where did she leave them? Like in the, the bathroom. Yeah, like in a, you know the bathroom in the, just in the concourse. So anyway, you would think that you would notice if you don't have your teeth. Yeah, I would. Okay, but anyway, so I'm tell I've told the captain, asked him to send a message back to go see if they can find the teeth. Well, um, halfway through the flight, he he calls me and he says we found the teeth, and we're gonna get them to where she's going to. And um, so I run over to her, thinking it was her. Oh. And I say to this lady, we found your teeth. And she says, well, last I noticed, I still have teeth. So anyway, I found the right lady and it was right before Thanksgiving and I told her that now you can eat your turkey. So I live near the beach, and sometimes I get a kick out of what the tourists say at the beach. And there was a kid. I was just walking behind a family. They were walking very slow. You know, I'm a little bit more, uh, you know, walking with a purpose. But I'm trying not to be rude, so I'm just walking behind them. And the kid, little kid, says, uh, where'd they get all this sand? Because I think he was probably thinking like a sandbox where you had to buy it at the store. And he was thinking, this is a lot of sand. <laughs> And then recently, uh, a tourist stopped me. They could kind of tell that I lived here. And they said, um, hey, what happened to all the trees? Uh, this is after the hurricane, so uh, all the trees were down. And I basically wanted to say, oh, they all decided to fall over at the same time. <laughs> like, it seemed pretty obvious to me it was a hurricane. But actually, my area wasn't on the, how bad it was really wasn't on the news that much. So, you know. They had no idea there was a hurricane and that knocked down all the trees. And uh, I just wanted to give you a quick update on the hurricane. <laughs> you know, I had a bunch of hurricane damage here. Uh, still not done. And uh, that was in October. <laughs> it's now July. And uh, I'm not really complaining because the we had so much damage here. You know, they're slowly getting to everything. But, you know, it all takes time. And I do think that one part of it is humorous is that... Uh, I almost didn't take my trip to Iceland in November because I was afraid that the association was going to be coming in and doing repairs in November. <laughs> well, thank goodness I didn't postpone that trip for eminent repairs <laughs> because it'll probably be like a year later when they finally get to it. Special effects in the background. Special airline effects. Okay, so what was there? So I was the A, late night flight, Airbus 319. I'm only laughing because of the background effect. Go ahead. And I'm getting ready to ask, you know, if they want something to drink. Yeah. And it was a lady who came on with her emotional support animal, which was a cat. And you don't like cats? No, I hate cats. So the cat is sitting on her lap, and as I'm getting ready to go ask her would she like something to drink, she's breastfeeding her cat. 
I've heard that many times. I've never seen it. You actually saw it. Yeah. I just flew with a girl that told me. I just I just flew with someone from. She said it was from West Palm to Atlanta, and a passenger in first class, a woman in her 60s, was um, breastfeeding a cat. But she couldn't. Yes, there's something emotionally. So they had her removed. The Uh, woman. Well, we were in flight, so I couldn't have her removed. like to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon. I buy things on Amazon all the time. Uh, you were so nice to go to my website, bettingthesky.com, to click through the links. doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show. And I really enjoy seeing what people buy. Of course, I'd like you to maybe possibly consider buying Tar, my book, it's the Tar Collection, book one. It's 99 cents, so it's very inexpensive. You know, maybe if you're buying something else, and maybe you'd even consider being so nice as to review it. <laughs> and remember, don't be too judgmental. <laughs> anyway, other people bought um, Mixed Pickling Spice, Alvin and the Chipmunks' Greatest Hits, Still Squeaky After All These Years. Once again, if you're going to go to Amazon, just consider going to my website, bettingthesky.com. doesn't cost you any more. It supports the show. And if you have your ad blocker on, you might not be able to see the links. Thank you so much. So this Italian girl and this military guy are sitting. No, first the Italian girl's on the airplane and it's back when we charge for drinks. Right. So she was kind of scooting from guy to guy to get them to buy her drinks. And yeah, she was working the back. (laughs) And she finally finds this little military guy and he buys her drinks. And then they also buy a bottle of Jack Daniels in duty free. So I go on crew rest and I could tell, you know, I warned everybody. I said, kind of watch that couple. They bought a bottle of Jack Daniels and they've been drinking quite a bit. Well, I get up from crew rest, and I'm at the front of the cabin, and I can hear them at the back. And I walk by, and they are trashed, totally trashed. And so I go to the back galley. I'm like, y'all, they are so drunk. And in the meantime, we're kind of powwowing in the galley, and they both go in the bathroom. So... I'm like pounding on the door. They could have cared. They could have cared less. Really? They just ignored you? They just ignored us. But then... Because what are you going to do? So I guess you could open the door. So we're talking like, oh my God, they're so drunk. Now they're in the bathroom together. And after maybe 20 minutes or so, they must have come out. But I still have my back to them, so I don't see them come out. So a few minutes later, I feel this tap, tap, tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's this Mormon mother that has gone to get her son, who was on his mission trip in Italy, and she's got her whole family, her little kids and everything, she, and she says, that's it, that's it, I've had it, I've seen everything now, and I'm like, what happened? She came out of the bathroom with her skirt all the way up here and her red little bikini briefs down around her knees and turned around and pulled them up in front of my children. Oh, my God. And she's just, like, so distraught. So I'm like, 
that's it. She's been drinking too much, so I go up to the Italian girl and the military guy. I'm like, you guys are out of control. You've done all of this. We're going to have authorities meet the flight um, if you don't settle down. And she, the little Italian girl, the drunk, sex, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, you have floozy, that's it. What authority do you have? Oh. And I, you know, hold my wings out. This is my authority. <laughs> she goes, I'm Italian. You can't do anything to me. Really? Just because she's Italian? She did not care. <laughs> she did not I'm care. <laughs> That's the answer. So we. So, I mean, she didn't care. We, she did not care. So we call ahead, and they have authorities meet the flight, and I walk off behind them, and these two big Georgia Atlanta policemen are standing out there, and she's little, and she walks off the plane, and you know they've already told somebody that they really can't do much, but they'll try to scare. She was not phased. She's like in their face. I'm, I'm Italian. Italian. I'm Italian. <laughs> it's like carte blanche. I'm the, Italian. The military guy was terrified, but she oh, was I like, was I'm terrified. Italian. I'm Italian. So the agent, so all, you know, we yeah. leave them with the agent and customs and everything. And a couple days later, I saw that agent. I said, So what happened? He goes, that little Italian girl got sent back to Italy. <laughs> she was never, they didn't let her into the country. So well, I that guess showed I'm her. Italian. <laughs> that was so She's so Italian, she gets to go back yeah. to Italy. This comes from a listener named Adrian, and it refers back to, remember a few years ago, I did like this informal survey about whether when you're walking through the aisle, even the aisles on the airplane are small, and you inevitably run into another person, uh, do you turn to face them? So you're crotch to crotch, or do you turn your back so you're butt to butt? And so the survey was butt to butt or crotch to crotch. <laughs> I thought it was kind of fun. And uh, I got this response from him, and he was saying, um, I did some research for you, and he found this old Emily Post book of etiquette, and it actually, she actually addressed this issue. But it was actually like if you were in a um, theater aisle, which is the same thing, and uh it said there is a rule. So there is actual um, etiquette in a book. And it says you should turn to face those you know and turn your back to strangers. So <laughs> those you know, it's crotch to crotch. And for the strangers, it's butt to butt. Good to have an answer. Okay, so something happened on your flight? Yeah, I was doing a, an L.A. two-day trip, and I was flying with this girl, a really sweet southern girl, and we're boarding the airplane, and she's complimenting everybody as they walk on board. Like, oh, I love your hair, I love your makeup, I love your shoes, yeah, I love your shirt. And then this really overweight woman was coming down the jet bridge, and she was wearing this caftan moo-moo type of thing, you know? And I was thinking to myself, oh, this one's going to stump her, you know. She's not going to be able to come up with something nice to say. 
So I'm watching her and watching her and watching her. The lady walks on board. She goes, look at you. Just look at you. And I lost it. I had to go into the cockpit because I could not pull myself together. It was hilarious. Look at you. Just look at you. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Wow, you know far? <laughs> <laughs> look at you, just look at you. <laughs> <laughs>